With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Desk, your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. All right, kiddos, here we go on a rainy Monday afternoon live from the Emerald Queen Casino. Headlines are brought to you, of course, by our friends at VenueKings.com. Suck the Kraken's tentacle. Speaking of the Kraken, by the way, looking for tickets for the next Kraken home game on Thursday against the Sabres. VenueKings.com get you in the door, by the way, for 68 bucks. You want to go watch the Dogs and Ducks on Saturday at Husky Stadium. $38 in the door at VenueKings.com. Be sure and use code Sophia Checkout for a little bit of a discount. Hey, some big news in the NFL. We'll start with Denver sending linebacker Von Miller to the Rams. Denver gets a second and third round draft pick in 2022. And the Titans say that running back Derrick Henry is having foot surgery. Adam Schefter says he's out for the year, by the way. And in response, the Titans today signed 36-year-old Adrian Peterson to their practice squad. The Cardinals have dealt the fifth-round pick to the Eagles for tight end Zach Ertz, and the Astros saving their season, rallying from giving up an early Graham slam to outscore the Braves 9-1 in the final eight innings to force a game six tomorrow. And the Saints confirmed that Jameis Winston tore his ACL on the win over Tampa Bay over the weekend. He's going to be gone for the year. Kraken coming up tonight after a 3-1 loss to the Rangers. Rangers get a late empty net goal to win 3-1. Kraken on the road at Edmonton tonight, 6.30 face-off, 6 p.m. pregame right here on KJR. Jags running back James Robinson day-to-day with a foot injury suffered in the loss to the Hawks. Colts wide receiver T.Y. Hilton will miss Thursday's game with a concussion. They also lost defensive lineman Tyquan Lewis for the season with a knee injury. Pete Carroll telling media today he did not know when the pin in Russell Wilson's finger was going to be removed. Russell Wilson tweeting an hour ago, the pin has been indeed removed. How about that? That's good news. So let's get those guys on the same page. (laughs) My Night Football Giants in Kansas City tonight over on 1090 KJR. Jordan Morris expected to be back for the Sounders. Put your clothes on Jackson tonight as they have their final home match of the regular season against the Galaxy at 7 o'clock. And that game can be heard on the stream on 1090 on the iHeart app, so check that out. We got, again, the hockey game on KJR. We've got the football game over on 1090 on AM radio, and we got the Sounders on the stream. So we got it all for you, baby, coming up tonight. And here we go. This is Kraken Game Day, brought to you by Smartsheet. What's hybrid work? It's having the people, the resources, and the total freedom to manage everything your way from wherever you are. And that's Smartsheet, the platform for dynamic work. Now with Kraken Game Day, here's Softy and Dick. All right, here we go, baby. Getting ready for the Kraken and Oilers tonight. The fighting hack stalls against the fighting tippets at 6.30 tonight. Pre-game <laughs> with Mike Benton coming up at 6 p.m. right here on the radio show. We're going to be here at the Emerald Queen Casino watching the Chiefs and Giants. That game's over on 1090 KJR. Watching the Kraken Oilers on 9.50. So a lot to get to to talk about for the next three hours. Normally off the air a little bit early on Monday, but hanging out a little bit longer because of the Kraken pregame show. we got plenty of time to dissect the Seahawk win over Jack. 
Jacksonville. The Husky win over Stanford on Saturday. Everything happening in the National Football League. Joel Clack going to join us coming up at 4.30 on the program. He saw Oregon in person uh, at the Horseshoe in Columbus earlier on this year, so he'll be able to handicap the dogs and ducks for us. He was also on the road in East Lansing doing Michigan-Michigan State on Saturday. Unbelievable game. Maybe the game of the year in college football. There's been a lot of games of the years in college football so far this year. Not many of them involving the Huskies, by the way, so I'd like to maybe change that mm-hmm. this weekend and get a big upset for UW against Oregon. The narrative would totally change for this program if they could win this game on Saturday. So a lot to get to regarding that. Uh, Jerry Allen, the voice of the Ducks as well, will help us kick off Oregon Hate Week at 5.30 tonight on the program. And we're going to hear from both uh, Jimmy Lake and Pete Carroll on the coach's box coming up at 5 o'clock. But the Seahawks get one done. Uh, we had this big three-game sample here. Uh, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Jacksonville, which we knew for sure that those three games would not involve Russell Wilson because the guy went on the IR, obviously. Russell Wilson tweeting out today that the pin in his finger has been removed. I think he should auction it off for charity. I would put a bid on it. I think it's a great conversation piece. If you go to somebody's house, you look on the coffee table, and you see a book about the pyramids, and next to that is a little bit of a pin, and you ask, oh, what's that? Uh, That pin was in Russell Wilson's finger. How many people can say that they had something that came out of Russell Wilson's body in their collection. So I think Russell Wilson should put that thing up for auction the way Jeff Nelson did about 20 years ago with his bone chips. I mean, why not? Make some damn money. But that's very good news for the Hawks that the that the, uh, that the pin is out. It didn't seem like him and Pete Carroll were on the same page with that today, though, Dick, because Pete Carroll said he has no idea if the pin was out or not. I think he actually may have said it was not taken out yet, and then Russell, about an hour later, tweets out the pin is out. So it'd be nice if those guys were on the same page with that, but whatever. It's out. That's great news. Hoping he can come back for the Green Bay game. But yesterday game. I don't know about your thoughts on it, man. I thought it was just a tough game to watch from certain perspectives. Wasn't really competitive. Even up 14-0, I never even thought Jacksonville was going to offer any resistance at all to that Seahawks football team. Geno Smith had what I thought was by far his best game as the backup quarterback for the Seahawks. Defense did something to Jacksonville. You can poo-poo it all you want, but the defense did something to Jacksonville that has not been done to them all year long, and that's a shutout in the first half. So here the Hawks are 3-5, and five, and I think you can kind of you can close your eyes and tilt your head one way or the other, and you can figure out a way for this team, once they get Russell Wilson back, to maybe start thinking about making a run towards the playoffs, especially with the seventh team now in each conference making the tournament. It was a fun, refreshing day. My whole family went. I think it's the first time both of my kids at the same time have been to the game with me, and 60 degrees, sunshine, people in costumes. It was such a different <laughs> environment from six days prior. You're right. That Saints game was like everybody was on pins and needles. It was Monday Night Football. It was a rainy. It was just a slog of a game. Nobody was really in a festive mood going into that game. And this one was just kind of a celebration. And you're exactly right. Not only did they hold Jacksonville scoreless in the first half, they hold Jacksonville scoreless for 58 minutes of the football game. Right. And, you know, you can poo-poo it all. You know, people can poo-poo it all they want. Oh, it's just Jacksonville. Okay, well, explain this to me. Why doesn't every team hold Jacksonville to seven points? They don't. They don't. They don't. Jacksonville yeah. came in averaging 20. 20 points per game. Seattle held them to seven. And they are now consistently playing good to very good defense now over a five-game stretch. I've been saying it every week. It's a three-game stretch. Now it's a four-game stretch. Well, now it's a five-game stretch. Well, pretty soon, 
It's not a stretch anymore at all. It's the rule versus the exception. Yeah, I think that there's a bit of a debate going on about how good this defense is, and I, I, I don't sense this. I know this, that you and I are not on the same page with this. I don't think this defense is as good as you think they are because my standards are a lot different than yours. I'm, I'm not just looking for a team to be good in the stats. I mean, you, you, you're the one that likes to throw you know me out the door when I bring up yards per game. Well, there's the stats no, don't, don't well, whatever, right? They don't give matter at all. Just like Jimmy said to you last week, give exactly. me points I'm I'm looking at what this team does when they play the upper echelon teams in the NFL. Because as long as Russell Wilson's my quarterback and as long as Pete Carroll's my head coach, that's what I will judge this team against. And mostly come playoff time, to be honest with you. I mean, look, I mean, everybody, the Packers put up points, the Rams put up points, the Cardinals put up points, the Titans put up points, all those teams put up points. I'm asking you, when you watch this defense with your eyes, mm-hmm. all right, when you see a football team that has a hard time getting home, has a hard time picking off passes, and they got one yesterday. When you see a football team, you think about the, the Pro Bowl team or the All-Pro team, for example. How many guys on that defense would be worthy of postseason recognition? All things like that. When they face Green Bay in a couple weeks, when they go on the road in the postseason, when they play at Dallas, when Dak Prescott and those receivers are healthy, when they face Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and those receivers are healthy down there in Arizona. I don't yet have a lot of confidence in this defense being able to come through in moments like that. Now, look, maybe they can prove me wrong, and this Green Bay thing is an awesome test, right, coming up in, a, yep. in, a, uh, in two weeks from now. Green Bay, who knows how many receivers they'll get back by the time they play that game. They were out a bunch of them against Arizona, but still beat them with those those guys banged up, so uh, I, I think there's no doubt they're improving. The problem with this defense for me, Dick, is this. They get off to such a horrible start every single year. Yeah, that's fair. Where after four or five weeks, they're on just a record abysmal pace when it comes to numbers that they get themselves in a freaking hole. They dig themselves a hole, and they just don't have what it takes at the end of the year to get out of it. So is that what we're doing now as Seahawks fans? Are we just sitting here saying, hey, it's okay to be awful, in September and half of October, as long as you improve as the year goes by. No, this this thing is on the edge of a knife when it comes to the tiebreakers and the seeding, things like that. they got to find a way to show up in September, and they have not done that the last couple years, and that's what bothers me. No, they haven't, and I I would question anybody who has been elite against good offenses this year, and I would argue that no one, no defense in the NFL has been great against great offenses. Look Look at the number one defense in the NFL. Statistically, Points allowed per game, and that's all I care about is points. I can give a damn how many yards you give up. Points allowed per game. The Buffalo Bills are the number one defense in the NFL. Right. They have played two good offenses all year. Other than that, they played Miami twice, Houston, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Other than that, they played Kansas City and Tennessee, and they've allowed, on average, 27 points a game in those two games. I think the Seahawks would probably average about 27 points a game if they played Tennessee and Kansas City. In fact, they did. They gave up 23 to Tennessee. Right. So, really, I, I, I think it comes down to this question. And we can apply the same question, I think, to Saturday's win over Stanford and the Seahawks win over Jacksonville. How, how enthusiastic should we be about what we saw over the weekend? Because on one hand, for the Huskies, the defense played great. But on the other hand, the Stanford offense is not very good. Although I thought Tanner McKee, I, I think the Husky defense made him look bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and th- th- there were some plays in the fourth quarter of that game where I thought a better quarterback would have made better plays. So I was actually disappointed in what I saw from Tanner, uh, Tanner McKee. But I think part of that is because of what the Husky defense did to him. And the Husky offense, with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, has 70 yards passing. 
and is doing nothing. They've got four field goals at that point, and Jimmy Lake even said today how they can't wait until 30 seconds left to go in the game to get their first touchdown. But again, it, it was the first win at Stanford in 14 years. This team is making progress. It might be, you know, incremental progress, but they're making some progress. The defense, I think, in, on, on UW, on Montlake, is good enough to keep them, and in most games they play as long as the offense doesn't completely fall apart. But I think it really just comes down to one question. How, how enthusiastic are we about what we saw over the weekend? Because what I sensed on at least social media and from a lot of people that I talked to is it was kind of a big meh. You know, hey, they're supposed to do that to Jacksonville. Okay, at least they're not one of the terrible teams in the NFL. You and I were sitting here all week long saying, hey, this is no cakewalk. They're only getting three or giving mm-hmm. three, for God's sakes. Vegas thinks it'll be a close game. So after what we saw over the weekend, how enthusiastic are we about both the local football teams? Well, I'll start with the Seahawks. Uh, the same people that are poo-pooing, I, I would believe the same people that are poo-pooing the win over Jacksonville probably did mm-hmm. not tell you that they were going to win by 24 points before the game. Right. They were probably the negative Nellies that say, oh, Jacksonville might win this game. So you can't have it both ways. You can't tell me before the game that Jacksonville has a great chance to win the football game and then poo-poo a 24-point win after it happens. You just can't do it. I mean, we're hearing national people say that without Russell, taking Russell Wilson off the Seahawks roster – the Seahawks actually have less talent than the Jaguars. Now, do we think that after watching that no, game yesterday? Not at all. Come on. So no. that's how Jaguars far are awful. that is how yeah. far the perception has gone down of the Seahawks. And that's why this is an absolute buy team right now in the Seattle Seahawks. You buy these guys, the defense is playing better. Russell Wilson's coming back. I'm not guaranteeing they're beating Green Bay and Arizona. Hell, they might lose both of those games. But yeah. what as yeah. we have p- painted the picture before. You can still lose those two football games and take care of the games that you need to take care of against the dregs of the NFL yeah, of course. and win of one course. of the other two, and yeah. you can get to 9-8 and eight and make the playoffs. Well, I think, first of all, anybody who said the Seahawks roster without Russell is worse than Jacksonville, that, that's not even worth talking about. I mean, that is so insanely stupid and idiotic. Who, who, who said that? It was, it was a who? national show. I heard, it on, I heard it on the national uh, It was yes, yesterday before the yeah, game. Well, I don't remember which one it was. You, I know that you listen to a lot of national shows, so cross that one off your mm-hmm. list because that's just – that's idiotic for some. I mean, you saw that Jaguar team They're yesterday. Awful. They're terrible. Terribly that is a coached. bad, bad, bad football team. They got bad wide receivers. They got nothing going on. Trevor Lawrence, man, God bless him. They gave that guy nothing. <laughs> He's got jack squat. They did exactly the opposite of what the Seahawks did. When Russell Wilson showed up here, he's got Marshawn Lynch, Michael Robinson, Doug Baldwin, Golden Tate, Zach Miller, and the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL, and a kick-ass defense. They did the exact opposite right. with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. I actually felt bad for the guy, well, seriously, watching that and, game and yesterday. And watching how that game was coached, and it just kind of re- re- reiterates what we were talking about on Friday. If you want Pete Carroll gone, mm-hmm. you better be damn careful on who you bring in for Pete Carroll because almost all the coaches hired over the last three or four years in the NFL are freaking duds. Right. Absolute duds. And what makes you think, as a Seattle Seahawks management, that you're going to get one that's not a dud? Well, I'll tell you, uh, you you asked that last week, and I told you last week. My answer is because of your ownership group. That's why. I mean, look, I mean, I, we don't know much about Jody Allen, but if, it's, if we can agree that we can assume that there's at least a chance that she'll take after Paul because she observed Paul yeah. and maybe has that same gene in her DNA the way <laughs> Paul does, then they're going to go out and spend money on a big-name guy and bring in somebody who they think can get the right, you know, get the job done. Now, what, what I would be concerned about if they do let go of Pete Carroll, which I, I'm not saying they are going to, but if they did let go of Pete Carroll, what was the number one reason why Pete Carroll was here in the first place? Because Todd Lightwicky hired him. They yep. don't have a Todd Lightwicky right now. 
right? No disrespect to Chuck Arnold, but Chuck Arnold has no track record whatsoever of hiring head coaches in the NFL. Everything Todd Lewicki does from the NHL to the NFL turns to gold. So if you told me that you're going to get rid of that, Pete Carroll's going to retire, walk away, Todd's going to come back after getting the Kraken up and running and then hire the new coach for the right. Seahawks, I would feel a lot differently yeah, about hired that. Todd for like six months. Totally. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> so you look at Dick, I'm not kidding. If you want to put together an advisory committee when that time comes – and it might be five years from now. Right. But when that time comes to do something like that, you want to have a guy like that in your side, in your corner, in the meetings, helping to make that call, I'd be totally for that. I, I just think this, again, I, I think the defense is getting better. I think part of it is because of who they're playing. There's no question the competition is helping out those numbers that you're talking about. But I also agree that when teams usually play Green Bay, Arizona, the Rams, Buffalo, those are going to be high-scoring games. Of course. Because their defense, excuse me, their offenses are just that good. My issue again with this defense is that every year they just put themselves in a freaking hole and then they end up playing better, yeah. but they can't get to where they want to be because of that big fat hole they found themselves in to begin with. I think they're going to be a top 10 defense at the end of the year. They're 11th right now. They've got five more games against absolute crap teams I think they finish in the bottom end of that top 10 going into the potentially the playoffs and I think this offense is it showing you every single year that it will be top seven or eight so what does that tell you at the end of the season you have a top seven or eight offense and a yep. top 10 defense yep. that makes you one of the better teams in the NFL and capable of winning games in the playoffs yeah I think they got to find a way to start getting the ball a little bit they got to start getting a consistent pressure on the quarterback going here I mean the fact that we're sitting here after eight games and Jamal Adams Kerry Hyder and Carlos Dunlap have one combined sack between the three of them mm -hmm. that is not good enough so if you want to be that kind of defense you're talking about what, what my goal is for this team is once the playoffs start, I want to be able to count on my defense. I want to go into a game thinking, yeah. yeah, this defense can step up and make it a game in the fourth quarter and give Russell Wilson a shot. But here's the deal, guys. This team is not great, the Seahawks. I think we all know that. They're not an elite by, you know, measurables from two, three, four, five, ten years ago. Nobody's going to be talking about the Seahawks as one of the all-time greats in the history of the NFL. We're not, we're not idiots here. But who is great in the NFL right now? Where are the obvious, I mean, better than everybody by 100-mile football teams? We thought it was Tampa. They the just National got football smoked League. by a team that beat us by three. Tampa Bay at times has looked bad. Buffalo lost a game last week to Tennessee on the road. Arizona at times has looked bad. The Packers at times in their opener against the Saints have looked awful. Kansas City, who's going tonight, has not looked good the entire year. So this thing... Dude, we talk about parity all the time in the NFL. There's more parity now than I think in the last maybe 15 years. Absolutely. It's crazy. You could, you could paint a picture of 10, 12 teams that could win the damn Super Bowl. And I'll tell you what, I think 9-8 and eight gets them in the postseason. I'm yep. not saying they're going to make a run, but 9-8 and eight I think will get them in. They got the Lions, the Bears, the Texans, Washington, and San Francisco. Those five teams have a combined record of 9-30. and 30. You have to win them okay? all. Okay? You dig and yourself you a hole. You win them all. You go 5-0, and oh, and then you go 1-3 and three minimum against Green Bay the Rams and the Cardinals twice. You do that and you're right there with a yes. chance to go into the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. Absolutely. You're exactly right and I think they absolutely can do that because they get better every single year on both sides of the ball. Now, once we get to January, we have to figure out a way to get beyond that and not just lose in the first round. But first things first, I'm not talking about a deep playoff run right now. I'm just talking about getting there, and the roadmap is there for them to get there. Yeah, well, the roadmap is there for them to get there. The roadmap is also there for them to fall apart uh, with this schedule coming up, and who knows about Russell. So I don't know, man. I think they need to get a better running game going. Uh, they got to yeah. get Russell back, and there's concerns about that even when he was healthy. We talked about that. Their offense had large swaths of time where 
where they just weren't doing jack squat, even with Russell Wilson. The Tennessee game, the Minnesota game, the Ram game through mm-hmm. three quarters had seven points, even with, with Russell Wilson out there. So I, I, I think we got to kind of admit, though, that part of this is the fact that there's a seventh team in the playoffs. I mean, that changes the dynamics. And the fact that you have 17 games. If you were playing six games in the postseason, or six teams in the postseason, and 16 games overall, this would look a little different. But the fact that we can sit here at 9-8 and eight and even talk about making the playoffs, this is a good year to not be very good, yes. is my point. And Dallas did you a big, big favor last night. Absolutely. Because I think you might be looking at that Minnesota loss. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Us at the end of the season, and that's the difference between Minnesota getting the wild card and Seattle getting the wild card because you lost the tiebreaker. And they're talking about firing Mike Zimmer now uh-huh. out there in Minneapolis. I mean, that's, you know, again, they, you know, things like this can snowball. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I still have questions about this defense. I'm not, I'm not buying it the way you are. You know, the stats don't lie. There's, number, there's numbers out there that certainly show that this defense overall has been, has been good. I don't think that they stink. I think you're right that f- folks out there that want to spread the narrative of the Seahawks defense is terrible. That's my big point. I don't see that, but I'm also not really in the mood to argue levels of suck. I mean, really. I mean, like, what are we doing here, right? Well, We're trying levels to, of suck. Well, it's just, are it, they good or are they bad? Well, but there's a lot, Dick, there's a lot more between good and bad. I mean, you know, you, good could be top third and bad could be bottom third. Right, but don't NFL, you think the so narrative has been there awful? I think there's a lot of folks that think that they're terrible, and I think when the year began, the first month or so, they were terrible. The numbers showed they were they were giving up 450 yards a game, just like last year. Last year they were terrible, and then they figured things out kind of because of the opponents they played. So, look, at least we can say one thing, and I, I, I agree with you. You can't sit here and say, I'm nervous about the Jacksonville game. Oh, my God, the Jaguars are going to beat us. Watch the Seahawks go out and win by 24 and then just poo-poo it. They, they shut down that offense yesterday, and they shut down a quarterback who'd been playing better I still don't see a boatload of unstoppable players on that defense. I still see a defense that has trouble getting home, and I still see a defense that has trouble getting the ball back. And if they want to make a run come playoff time, they got to start doing those two things. We're going to break. Factor Fiction coming up. Joel Klatt coming up at 4.30. Jerry Allen, voice of the Ducks at 5.30. We're at the Emerald Queen Casino. What do you guys think, man? Are you starting to believe in this Seahawks defense now? Starting to believe in this team with Russell Wilson coming back, hopefully in a couple weeks from now? 49451. Testimonials at 445. We're live at the Emerald Queen right here on 950 KJM. Now back to Kraken Game Day with Softy and Dick. 
Brought to you by SmartSheet. What's hybrid work? It's having the people, the resources, and the total freedom to manage everything your way from wherever you are. And that's SmartSheet, the platform for dynamic work. All right, boys and girls, here we go. Getting ready for the crack in Edmonton coming up at 6.30. Pre-game Mike Benton at 6 o'clock tonight. We're going to hang out a little bit longer than usual on Monday because of the Kraken game tonight. Monday night football uh, with the Chiefs and Giants. Uh, Kansas City given 10.5 tonight against the Gents uh, is over on 10.90. KJR on the AM side and the Sounders game tonight on the 10.90 stream on the iHeart app. Jackson Feltz will have the pre-game, the halftime, the post-game, the whole spiel for you over there. we got Factor Fix coming up in a matter of minutes here on the radio show and we'll chat more about the Hawks obviously and their win over Jacksonville. We haven't spent much time yet talking about something that Washington went out and did for the first time since 2007. They won a game at Stanford Stadium. The streak is over. They're now one for their last seven instead of oh for their last six and they get it done with defense and they get it done with an offense that just decided on the last drive of the game that they were going to step up and put the ball in the damn end zone. That drive was the best of the year with not even a close second. Agreed. And John Donovan, who has taken a lot of shots, and rightfully so, much of the year, put together a fabulous, fabulous drive with some unpredictability. The little toss to Cameron Davis was absolutely beautiful. Everybody mm-hmm. thought they were just going to run it right up the middle like they had all year, all day long, and all year long, really. And they go to the outside, and Cameron Davis made a, a brilliant little move there to get the first down. And then that ball, that, that stunned me. The, the aggressiveness on that play to the end zone absolutely stunned me. And I heard Ian talking about it before uh, earlier today, thinking, saying that he – Stanford should have expected that the Huskies would take a shot at the end zone. And I would just say, what have you seen from the Husky offense all year long that would make you think that they were going to take a shot at the end zone? I mean, they haven't done, they hadn't tried for a dagger all year long in a big time spot like that. So, you know, I really thought it was going to be, if they were going to throw it there, it was really going to be a, a quick out, you know, roll a guy out and throw it away if yeah. you don't have an, an obvious completion to get out of bounds. And instead, they took a shot at Jalen McMillan. And Dylan Morris was, you know, Dylan Morris for most of the game. But he made a big time throw at a big time time, and you got to give the guy credit. If you're going to rip him when he's bad, you got to give the guy credit when he's good. Oh, for sure. But what are we talking about here, right? I mean, we're still talking about an offense overall that is feeble when it comes to throwing the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the overall picture, right? I mean, nothing's changed in that regard. Yeah, they had a great drive and they got it together. And I, I, I give the running game and the, and the defense way more credit for what happened on on Saturday night than I do the passing game. And I, I look, I'm with you. I mean, Dylan. Had had a good second half against Arizona. I think he had a really good last drive against Stanford for the most part. Didn't, didn't turn the ball over you know, against Stanford, so that's a good thing. Coach Baird has talked about he's got to stop doing that right now and stop <laughs> throwing picks, and he did that. But it, it, it just seems like the expectations for that passing game and really the offense overall are so stinking low right now mm-hmm. that any heartbeat that they show is celebrated. And maybe that's where you start. Well, right? I think I mean, that's maybe, where you start when you have a really a, limited quarterback. Right. I think that's where you right. start, and they have a really limited quarterback. And so, yeah, you have to. That's my you point. Have to take yep. Dylan Morris out of harm's way, and they have, for the most part, tried to take Dylan Morris out of harm's way most of the season. They had to let him rip there at the end. And you know, let's give some credit to Jalen McMillan. That dude is a baller. He is a 
all-Pac-12 player in the future, maybe a first-team all-Pac-12 player in the future. I just love what that guy brings to the table. He makes big catches. He did three times on that drive with those two slants and then the touchdown. Yep. And, and what you have gone now, you have gone from seasons over to you have given yourself a chance to go to the Pac-12 championship by winning on Saturday. You are legitimately in the hunt yeah. if you win yeah. that football game. And, yeah. and you should be expected to play Oregon tough and have a shot to win that football game at the end. Uh, I think so, but I also think, again, that this this is masking some problems at Washington, which I think that you're ignoring. I, th- I think you're ignoring it by ta- by not admitting that the biggest reason why the Huskies are in the Pac-12 race is because this conference is terrible. It's awful. They have one top 25 team. There's nothing else of significance that this conference has going on that is even worth talking about from a national perspective. And that stinks. I mean, if this was, if this was a typical year for the Pac-12, they'd be nowhere near. But you know what? They are. They are. And if we are going to have a lobotomy and take out our preseason expectations for Washington football, then let's just do that. Let, 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 let's forget what we thought when the year began, and let's look at a young team that's mm. growing every year and ask for progress. And if we are legitimately going to get progress, then we'll see them play these guys hard on Saturday. We'll get a break. Factor Fiction right now brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. It's time for fact. Just the fact. Or fiction. Powered by the Emerald Queen Casino, the entertainment capital of the Northwest. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Fact or fiction brought to you by our friends at the Emerald Queen Casino. We are 21 and 17 and clinging to a game and a half lead over Puck and Jim, who are crawling up our backside. Yeah. We got to get rid of these Sounds guys. Awful. We got to get rid of these animals, man. I don't want them anywhere near our backsides no. whatsoever. So uh, I don't think anybody has taken the game tonight. Uh, Ashley took the under 52 in tonight's game. Puckett went with Georgia minus forever against Missouri. They're given 38, by wow. the way. Uh, Ian went with the Ducks minus the points against UW. I see a Kansas City Chief football team that's getting peppered by everybody across the country. I see a Chief team that has totally underperformed the entire year. And I see a giant football team that, frankly, I just don't think is very good. They've played, what I had in my notes, they played the Dallas Cowboys. They gave up 44. They played the L.A. Rams. They gave up 38. The two best offenses they've seen all year, right, in those teams? Yes. And they smoked them. Yep. I think Kansas City gets it done. I think Kansas City gets right. I think Kansas City explodes. And I would not be surprised if Kansas City won this game by, like, 30 points tonight. I'm not kidding you. So I got the Chiefs minus 10.5 against the Gents. Factor fiction to 49451. It's the total opposite of a look-ahead game for Kansas City. Normally you would have a situation, yeah, Kansas City against the Giants. You yep. know, you could totally expect them to have a letdown against a team like the Giants. But not when everybody and their mother says you suck right. and everybody says your your quick little dynasty is over. Mm-hmm. They have got everything to play for and that offense has every reason to put up 40 tonight I on agree. the Giants. Totally agree. All right. I mean, it's a big number. I get it. Lots of other games out there, but we're going to go Kansas City minus the points, minus the 10.5 against the Giants. I think Jackson's already on record saying he doesn't like it, so we'll see. All right. Kansas I like this City. Can't, oh, you you okay. do, huh? Right. I, I thought like you said the, you I, didn't like it. I just don't like the, I don't like the 10.5 number because I got screwed by it last week. Well, but that's the line, though. I mean, how do you like the pick, but not like the line. <laughs> I'd like the pick. I like the <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I don't sense. like the number 10 and a half. Oh, my God. So you don't like the pick, then, is what you're no, saying. No, no. I'm just <laughs> owning it for crying out no, loud. You know, I understand. I don't like the actual number, the numeral 10 and a half now. It kills me because of what happened. Oh. The New York Jets last week. How did? How do you lose, Bengals? How there's, do you like lose? A, there's like uh, a, there's a star. Game. There's a star uh. there for you. Is that what you're saying with the 10 and a half? Dick, I you, got Dick you. you were dead on, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Dead on about what? He called. He called that the Jets were gonna were gonna 
make something of this game. And, well, and we talked about that on the show Wednesday. Yeah. We told you that you're going with the great unknown and Mike White, and he went bananas. In the break, you didn't tell me. In the <laughs> break, we crazy. talked about it. In the break, oh. we talked about it. All right, oh. Kansas City minus the points. Factor fiction to 49451. Again, you get one pick right a week on the show, and you qualify for a $1,000 weekly prize courtesy of the Emerald Queen Casino. Let's talk more Hawks and Dogs coming yeah. up from the Emerald Queen right here on 950 KJ. Now back to Kraken Game Day with Softy and Dick. Brought to you by Smartsheet. What's hybrid work? It's having the people, the resources, and the total freedom to manage everything your way from wherever you are. And that's Smartsheet, the platform for dynamic work. All right, boys and girls, we're back here at the Emerald Queen Casino, hanging out until 6 p.m. tonight. Pre-game of Mike Benton, face-off. Dave Tomlinson, Ever Fitzhugh from Edmonton at 6.30 tonight. Uh, the Monday night game, Kansas City Giants over on 10.90 a.m. tonight, by the way. And Jackson, uh, have your finger on the dump button because Dick Fane is hot oh, during boy. the break. <laughs> during the break, Dick, Dick actually took his headphones off, slammed them on the table, <laughs> pointed his finger right in my face and said, I'm going to get you. What? I'm coming after you next segment regarding the Hawks and regarding the dogs. So I can't wait to hear this, man. This is We've been trying to awake the monster here, and the monster, is the bear's been poked, and he's all fired up and angry. So let's start with the Huskies. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about what your, uh, your brain is telling you on UW. Go ahead. Well, I just think you've been the great poo-pooer. Great poo-pooer. Because we went through... The October of cesspool football negativity, you right? Mean, right, after September. You mean. Yeah, yes. Right, right, I right. mean, our, our, this has just been a month of fire everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. that's been the general sentiment, whether you're talking about the Huskies or the Seahawks. It's been fire everybody, season's over. Yeah. And I want to spend more time looking at what, this, what these teams mm -hmm. actually are. Yeah versus what these teams have been. And what these teams actually are, in my opinion, are two teams that have the potential for postseason and to do something. I think the Huskies have the potential to beat Oregon this week. Yeah. I think they have the potential to knock on the door and be as good as any team in the Pac-12 North. Yeah. And I think the Seahawks have the potential to t completely turn this season around, flip it on its head, yeah. and by the time we get to September or by the time we get to January, you're all the national pundits are like, "Wow, Seahawks are back. Are they the sleeper to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC?" I could yeah. absolutely yeah. see that headline come Christmas time. And and so I just kind of want to put aside what has happened because what has happened doesn't impact anything for either one of these teams between now and the end of the football season and so when you have a good weekend where you win at Stanford where you haven't won for 14 years yep. when you beat the brakes off of Jacksonville not beat them I thought they were going to beat them like 20 to 13. Right, I did not right. think that. And I'm one of the more optimistic Seahawks fans out there. I didn't think the Hawks were going to smack them. I thought they were going to win. That's why they were my factor okay. fiction pick. Okay. But I didn't okay. think they were going to kill them and right. embarrass yeah, them. No, I, and, and I agree with that. First of all, I love the name The Great Poo Pooer. I want to be forever known from now on until <laughs> the end of time. Jackson, you can, you can have this too as The Great Poo Pooer. All right, we, uh, uh, do me a favor and change all the promos for the show. It's no longer the Softy and Dick show. It's the great poo-pooer and dick every day from 3 to 7 on the air. So that's number one. Number two, 
Uh, regarding the Seahawks, I never wanted to fire Pete Carroll. Uh, I, I did want the guy to change his ways and be uh, and adapt to offenses in 2021. I hope he's doing that. I thought the hire of Shane Waldron showed that he's willing to do that. We haven't seen it consistently so far, but he hasn't had his quarterback for a month, so we'll see what happens starting in two weeks from now against Green Bay. But I was also the one who this morning at about 9.30 and literally on the air with you about a half an hour ago painted the roadmap for this team to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the poo-poo is for the Seahawks. That's number one. Number two, with the Huskies, I think, again, the biggest reason why they are in this race is because this conference is terrible. All right? This offense isn't good enough. And both you and I agree. They need a new name at offensive coordinator for next year. Yes. So I... I, And a new quarterback. I guess I'm asking... Well, okay... I mean, part and, of the problem And you the problem just got Don- done calling me the great poo-pooer. Well, Where problem, do we disagree? Part of the problem with Donovan... Where's the problem? ...is the fact that he is dealing with the same thing that Shane Waldron has had to deal with yeah. the last three yeah. weeks. He, yeah. is, he has a signal caller that he doesn't have confidence in, and and she sh- he shouldn't have confidence in because right. Dylan Morris has not shown him any reason to have okay. confidence in him for over a long stretch of play. And he I agree has with moments, that. and that's yes. it. I think Dylan is limited. There's no doubt. I mean, I actually think Dylan throws is, – is, is, it's like he can drive, but he can't chip, right? I mean, the guy is amazing. I mean, the numbers may not bear that out. He may not be a higher percentage when it comes to deep balls than intermediate passes because the deep balls are always going to be a lower percentage. I think Dylan does have a clutch gene in him that every now and then comes out. We saw it against Arizona. More so than Jake Brown. We saw does. it against Utah last year. We almost saw it against Stanford. We yep. saw it against Stanford on Saturday. So he has shown that clutch gene at times. But everything you just said – I totally agree with. So I guess the question is, what are we doing here as fans? Are we going to sit here and just say, hey, being mediocre is good enough? Or maybe it's good enough for now. Maybe because the Seahawks lost uh, uh, Wilson, making the playoffs is good enough in 2021 because they missed Russell Wilson for three games and they may not have him back for the Packer game. We'll find out in a couple weeks from now. But I I see two football teams that have underachieved, Mm -hmm. both of them. I don't think that Washington is a is a four and four roster. They never should have lost to Montana. They probably should have beaten UCLA. They have more talent than Oregon State does. There's yes. no question about that. So I think for both teams overall, it's been disappointing in 2021. How could anybody look at Washington at four and four, including a loss to Montana and getting run by Michigan, and think that four and four is exceeding expectations or even meeting expectations? For the Seahawks to be three and five, even with Russell Wilson being banged up, is not exceeding or even meeting the expectations we had for this football team. You and I both thought this team was going to be in contention for the NFC West yeah. in 2021. Yes. And that does not look like that's going to happen. So it's like I said last segment. If you want to reset the expectations, I'm totally cool with that. You want to have a lobotomy and remove the part of your brain that said Washington would compete for the Pac-12 championship and the part of your brain that says the Seahawks would compete for the NFC West title and look at other variables? Like, for example, I'll give you one. I think our expectations for UW... Looking back on it, we're probably way too high. Because Because of the their youth. quarterback is young. Because, because of the their youth. defense is young and their wide receivers are young. Yes. But, we, but we didn't say that. We didn't say that no, over the offseason. we overlooked offseason. it. We overlooked it. We did it. not say that. We thought that Washington had an experienced offensive line yep. with a kick-ass running back room that would be able to carry the day until the passing offense got there. And we were wrong. And they couldn't do that. So let's just let's readjust yep. and say everyone's young. 
They're getting better. They're making progress. Let's see how far they can take that this Saturday versus Oregon. I love what I saw from Tuna Ufi. I love what I saw from Carson Bruner. Oh. There's some young guys on this defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball that could have you know three, four-year long careers here mm -hmm. and do a lot of awesome things. But the view from 35,000 feet for me hasn't changed. The expectations and the excitement level was where it was because we thought we had two championship contenders on our hands for the conference yeah, yes. and for the division. Yes. And neither one of those things are likely going to happen. And if it does happen for UW, it's mostly because the conference is in the toilet. Well, the last thing, I, I don't really care whether the conference is in the toilet or not. You win a conference championship, you win a conference well, championship. Right, but Power compared five, to but. the rest of college football, though. Well, you, but I don't think win the Pac-12. three conferences that aren't very good. Right. I, I, Dick, I get that. But the best this football team is going to do is 9-4 and four at right, best. Right. And, and that's just if they went out. So uh, do we see a product on Montlake that has met our expectations and has made us feel like this college football team is one of the better programs I in America? I am asking Jimmy Lake to give me what we were given in 2015. And that Which was is a what? crap first half of the season. Great. They found Love something. It. They were a Love young it. football team. Love they it. ran the table in the final yes. four weeks of the season. Yes. They won their bowl game. And guess what they did the next damn they year? Went to they the went to the four. final four. That's what I want Jimmy Lake to yes. bring me the next two months of the yes. season. Yes! 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 Absolutely. Yes! But that doesn't ignore what's happened the first two months. I mean, they, they, they could be on a plane to doing something like that. So who knows? I mean, we'll find out what happens starting on Saturday. I think they're going to play Oregon tough this weekend. They really do. You know why? Ask me why. Why? Because of their defense. That's yep. why. I think their defense the will keep them in every game they play. We're going to break. Uh, Dick and the grand and the is it the great or the grand? The great poo-pooer. The great poo-pooer. Next on 950 KJ. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.